Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 162 of Geek Town Radio. This week I have with me... Ross! Hello Dave, how are you? I'm alright, how are you? 162, <laughs> eh? Not that we just got the number wrong before we came on air and had to record that, re-record that bit, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, keep, you can chop that up and keep it for next week, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, save some time. Apart from you're probably not on next week, which might confuse things, but, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, how are things going? Are you enjoying this lovely, beautiful sunshine? Oh yeah, it's terrific, it's really good. Um, it, w- today is bordering on too hot. Most days have been fine, <laughs> but there's a line where it's this is too much yeah. spoken um, like a true britisher <laughs> yeah. if we can make it just a little cooler and then spread it around that'd be great this is this is proper la weather this it's kind of you know it's it's hot with a bit of a breeze you know that's that's kind of how you want it you know Definitely. so uh what have you been up to since the last time you've been on i know you've been away you went to canada didn't you yeah yeah my wife and i went to canada we might move over there one day so that's exciting we Ooh, saw cool. uh, all sorts of things but one thing i, I did want to tell you about we went past their tv studio and they've got a news truck you know like a big american style news truck sticking out of the wall um <laughs> about, about, about you know three floors up at this this news station and the the front tire is always spinning and it's about um you know breaking news it's, it was really good i thought i'd mention that too it's really awesome. interesting yeah i'd i'd love to where were you toronto yes toronto yeah quite like to do vancouver because they do yes. a lot of filming up there and I have some very distant relatives over in that part of the world. So, you know, I, I, my goal is to go over there at some point and, and uh, go and visit people. Apparently, um, some of the places, I think it was at the University of Toronto or thereabouts, um, they, use, they use that sort of structure because it's a very old, big building for a right. lot of movies. Uh, I think it was the, do you remember in X-Men First Class when he's trying to teach, uh, he's teaching someone about uh, Havoc, I think, about his powers and they're standing outside the right. building. yeah, yeah. I think that courtyard is is Toronto University. I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, they told us that a few different films shot sort of in that sort of area. Yeah, yeah. So, because as, as I'm sure you'll know, a lot of it's quite expensive to film in America. So if they can take it to Canada, it's a bit cheaper. Yeah, that's why. I mean, there's so many of the sci-fi shows shoot particularly around Vancouver. Uh, I mean, all the DC sh- shows shoot up there. Lucifer, I think, shot its first season up there before it moved down to LA because they got some tax breaks. But um <laughs> 
which is rare. I mean, they they don't usually move that way. Uh, Timeless did the same thing as well. Timeless moved from uh, from Canada down to LA the last season. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. They'd, but I'd I'd love to do a bit of Canada because I've never been up there. I've done America a few times, but never Canada. Mm. So. so you would love we've we've done Canada. We'd love to do America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Outside of holidaying, what else have you been doing? Well, yeah, I've been actually been uh, preparing for. Uh, there's a podcast festival in Birmingham coming soon. It's the 7th and 8th of July, which is next week, I think, maybe the week after. Yeah, something um, like and that. And there's a bunch of podcasts coming. Um, a lot of them I don't know, so I'm just going to sort of see them. But there's great ones. There's ones about fitness and there's ones about... There's one where um, I think the two guys go through an issue of Spider-Man and they're going through every issue of Spider-Man. Wow. Um, Spider-Man comics ever. And there's one that a friend of mine does about... Um, they do like a weekly quiz about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely something for everyone. So if you just go to... Uh, birminghampodcastfestival.com you can get tickets and all sorts um but yeah I'll, I'll be i'll be going to that and seeing what that's about should be good yeah i i might see if i can get over to birmingham to that podcast festival because I, I i didn't find out about it until much later we should really join in <laughs> given that we're sort of based up in the midlands and, yeah uh, definitely but yeah look at us talking about things in the real world let's stop yes. that <laughs> yeah <laughs> in terms of uh tv and stuff uh we had uh netflix in canada uh, which is one of the few things because we didn't have like a pro- we stayed in Airbnb which is basically someone's house yes um, but luckily she uh, she had Netflix and we watched do you know the last season of Arrested Development season 4 yes they sort of weren't very happy with it because a lot of, there was a lot of uh, scheduling conflicts and they filmed it and it was a bit far apart from one another yeah um, so what Netflix did is they sort of remixed that whole series and they've chopped it up with everything they've got and they made a, a new series four out of it. And it's, yes. it's surprisingly good, actually, because it goes in a different direction to the, the original season four. Um, Interesting. So that's on Netflix. I haven't watched that yet. I'd heard they'd done that and I watched yeah. the original cut of it. But uh, I, yeah, I'm, I might go back and watch this sort it's, of remixed version. At the very least, it's much better than the original cut, which is all you need. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that original cut was not great so yeah. and then uh, they've done um season five after that I yeah think it is. yeah i haven't um, got around to watching that yet but there's uh, a good joke right at the start about the jump because uh, <laughs> michael it sort of follows straight on from the end of season four or the recut season four and michael Sarah's face it must age 10 years if not, <laughs> because you know he was quite young in arrested development now he's like a, an older guy yeah yeah but, you know he's, he's he does a big jump uh and it's it's very noticeable but it's not jarring like you get a it pretty quick and you're in it again yeah yeah which I mean, is great you know because is. you can you can tell everyone apart from um jason bateman jason bateman looks as young as he always has but everybody else looks 10 years older yeah, um, yeah. which is you know so yeah we watched all that and it's terrific i definitely recommend uh, a watch in fact we've we've been watching so much other stuff that we haven't got round to a few things that I see you're going to talk about actually here, Dave. So right. uh, I know there's new Kimmy Schmidt came out that we haven't seen. There's new The Ranch. This this season of The Ranch is without uh, Danny Masterson. Yes. Uh, after is, I'm interested in how they, what they do with that as well. So yes. I'll get around to that report back. Yes. They found a creative way of writing him out apparently. But, yeah. Uh... Maybe they'll drop a cow on him or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, also on Netflix, we've been watching the second season of Queer Eye. I haven't got is, around to watching any of this yet, but uh, I, I just, will uh, do at some point because everybody it, says it's great. So Yeah, it's really, really, I mean, there's nothing else to, it's really, really great. They touch on a lot of issues, not only around homophobia, but around, you know, all sorts of things, race and gender and all sorts. Yeah. Um, and it's really good. Uh, also, you get some like hot tips as well, yeah. uh, which is nice. Uh, finally, 
that you've been watching as well, I see. Westworld season two. Yes. Yeah, I Westworld. actually watched the uh, finale this morning. Wow, uh, I haven't seen it. Don't, don't yeah, tell me. Yeah, so... We, we haven't got very far in. We're not, we're not, uh, not going to talk about the finale now, but uh, if you are interested in Westworld, Matt and I do a, a Westworld podcast over on entertainmenttalk.org. And we do it, we've been doing that weekly. So if you want to hear all the thoughts about the finale, listen to that. It'll be out on Wednesday. But oh, uh, have you been enjoying the series so far then? Um, um, yes, but Ooh. it's very different. Yes. Um, I think the first season had something that of, uh, I mean, this season does too, of sort of a mystery about it. But in the first season, the whole thing was a mystery. Yeah. And that sort of, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I guess it's the first season's a year old. But there's a very big turn at the end where yeah. we realize what we've been seeing isn't necessarily how we think it is. Yeah. That seemed like a very difficult thing to follow up. And I'm certainly in it. I'm certainly enjoying it. But I'm just, with the back half of the season i'm interested if they do a similar if they can you know achieve a similar level of wow yeah i'm saying nothing <laughs> <laughs> but yes i i don't think you'll be disappointed i have been thoroughly enjoying it the finale i thought was brilliant but i'm not gonna get any more into that here because people might not have watched it yet like yeah. i say you can hear us talk about that later in the week from season one to season two i actually showed my wife my wife's in it now um good and- because I, I didn't what I said was first of all I will go through the whole season one we can watch it it's 12 12 hours maybe 10 yeah. hours fine but it ended up that we were taking so long knowing we had so much to get through that we just didn't bother and um, <laughs> so I said okay what we'll do is now TV have a, a, a like a recap of the first season which is like a half an hour everything right. that happened uh, and I found that surprisingly thorough actually even watching it you know when you it's been a year since season one came out so it's yeah. a bit I can't quite remember the nuances and yeah yeah, so that was really good actually if you look into if you if you're interested but you didn't see season one don't even worry about it you can get in it and it's yeah, fine yeah i uh noticed netflix do that quite a lot like uh yes. i mean i was i started watching luke cage season two this week and they, they do a sort of one or two minute recap of the first season at the start which is really useful and i wish amazon did the same thing yeah it's, yeah because it, it was like with um I think Man in the High Castle last season. Mm. I ended up, I started watching the new season when that came out and I remember stopping it and actually pulling up the Wikipedia article so I could read the descriptions of the episodes because I I couldn't for the life of me remember what happened towards the end of that last season because it had been so long. So yeah, Amazon, get your act together, put some little kind of recaps at the start of the seasons because it's really useful. I definitely think that's been a barrier to me watching Sneaky Pete season two just because it was so long ago and I'm so out of it. And, you know, series must get that a lot that you get a drop off between seasons because you, you, I mean, you, you see nothing for a year, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's so useful. You know, I mean, I have to watch so much TV anyway, but <laughs> keeping everything in your head is so difficult sometimes. And it's really useful if they put recaps at the start of thing, new seasons because, you know, it just helps working your way through and go, oh yeah, I forgot that happened or this happened. Even yes. if I've got the general gist of things, it just helps sort of place people, you know, in the in the right positions. So, you know. Yeah, also it made me really excited for Westworld this next season. Watch, watching yeah, yeah. the whole of season one in half an hour just gets you really amped up. It's great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's me. What about you, Dave? Well, like I say, Luke Cage season two, that's started back, uh, Luke Cage started back on Netflix this week. Uh, only a couple of episodes in, but really enjoying it. Really really good different he's 
kind of become much more of a celebrity mm. um, now. People know, in Harlem at least, everybody knows who he is. They've got like an app that follows him. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> they're, they're trying to find ways of... It's interesting because they're talking about the fact that he doesn't have any money and they're talking about like, you know, you should monetize this. And he's like, I'm not doing that. It's not right to be monetizing things, you know, for helping people. Uh, and they're kind of going, oh, well, policemen get paid, firemen get paid. Why shouldn't you, True. you know? So, so they seem to be heading towards a sort of heroes for hire kind of mm. thing. And if you've seen any of the promo stuff, you know that that may pop up a bit later. So I, I, I don't know that for a fact, but the, that seems to be something that may happen because they've certainly alluded to it in the first couple of episodes. But uh, yeah, I'm quite, I'm enjoying that so far. That's that's been really good. The other thing on Netflix that I've been watching is Evil Genius, um, which is only four episodes, so it's four hours basically. It's a it's a four hour documentary series. It follows this. It's a really bizarre case of I think it was referred to as the Pizza Man bomber. And uh-huh. or the pizza man robbery. And it was basically this guy goes into a bank, robs the bank, and he gets caught by police when he's out. And it transpires that he's got this device around his neck, which apparently has a bomb attached to it. And he's like, he's basically saying, I was forced to do this. If you don't let me go, it's going to explode and kill me. There's this scavenger hunt thing where I've got to go and find these certain clues to get the keys now. Oh, right. It's fascinating. When, when is this, if you don't want to ask it me? Was, it, the, the original thing was, uh, I mean, and this is a real-life case as well. I mean, this yeah. it, it's, it is a documentary. Uh, happened in America in a town called Erie, and it was in the mid nineties, I think it was. Oh right, okay, cool. Um, I vaguely remember the the case when it happened as sort of one of those weird little stories. But um, yeah, the background to it's quite fascinating. It's a really compelling documentary um very much if you like things like making a murderer it's sure. very much in that sort of vein has a lot less bias than i think making a murderer did much American as i like Randall. that right okay yeah that, that i haven't watched yet but i know that, that's that, supposed to be very good Dave, because that's a spoof it's 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 just terrific you, you, you should give that a watch it's really <laughs> right, really good yeah. um i've been thoroughly enjoying that evil genius well worth watching like i say it's only four hour long episodes so it's mm. not very long to get through either but if you like those sort of making a murderer type things it's uh well worth going to watch handmaid's tale which is continuing on channel four i've been very much enjoying that's been good i've enjoyed this season so far i won't give any spoilers away just in case people are running behind on that show but uh worth keeping up with if you've not watched that yet west will be talked about and uh the other thing which you might not have noticed this week is youtube premium has launched in the uk this is uh if you've heard of something called YouTube Red. I was going to say, is this YouTube Red? Yeah. Yeah. They they changed the name of YouTube Red to YouTube Premium, and it includes YouTube Music as well. So oh. there's there's now a secondary YouTube Music app which you can download to your phone, which will play either you know songs with the video or it will play, it's basically Spotify, essentially, or Amazon Music. It's the same sort of thing. But along with that, it gives you uh, access to YouTube with no adverts, so you don't get any ads at all. 
and you also get access to all their original content. So uh, Cobra Kai being the... I was going to say the Karate Kid uh, thing. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Karate Kid thing, being the, probably the most well-known out of the, uh, the things. You don't necessarily need YouTube Premium to watch Cobra Kai. You can actually go on and buy the episodes individually and do it that way. But uh, if you want to get them for free, it's, it's basically like with Amazon Prime and Amazon Video, you can buy things on Amazon Video or you can get Amazon Prime and you know a bunch of series come up for free it's the yeah. same sort of setup a lot of the content i'm not over the moon about you know it's <laughs> like some of it's fine uh i've they've got i think a three-month free trial running so if you want you to give watch it, cobra kai in three months yeah you? you can watch cobra kai in three months and get it for free and then cancel it i think it's 11 pounds a month they're doing it at so That's it's quite the, steep. Well, I don't know. It's it's similar-ish price to some of the other services, I guess. And you get music in with it. So I was going to say that that's what you pay for Spotify. I think you pay ten pound a month. Maybe. Yeah. So it's I think it's eleven pound a month, and you get all the YouTube stuff and the music as well. And the music seems to be pretty good at covering most things. So you know, it's out there if you want to give it a go. But it is uh, you can go on to I think it's youtubecom premium and you can go on and try it out, and they'll do a three-month trial. So so uh, might be worth looking out for if you're interested in that. And I think that's that's all the stuff we've got. So let's move on to some TV and film news. Kick off the TV and film news this week with renewals, cancellations and pickups. There's quite a few, surprisingly, actually, this week. The big one being NBC have cancelled Timeless again <laughs> for the <laughs> second time, which I'm kind of gutted about. Uh, I, I mean, I really enjoyed that show. We had Patterson Joseph on a couple of weeks ago talking about it as well. I, I mean, the problem is now, I mean, because we've been talking about, oh, well, maybe it could go for to Netflix. You know, maybe they'd be interested they have apparently talked to Netflix and Amazon and didn't get any bites on it. So <laughs> the last thing that they were trying to do was talking to NBC about creating some sort of movie that would tie up the cliffhanger that they left the second mm. season on. That they can't make work at the moment because monetarily oh, it doesn't, it's not working. So... I mean, they're still working at it. They're still talking to NBC. It may still pop up somewhere. They may still manage to do it. But at the moment, it's cancelled and they're not doing anything else with it. So unfortunately, that seems like it could be very dead right now. Another show which uh, has been missing in action for a while in the UK, uh, This Is Us. Season two of that is now going to an air date, but it's switching channels. It's moving from channel four to more four, their sister station, coming on the 4th of July that uh if you're watching out for that i really like the first season of that it was a great mm. great show i just it, I, and it's a huge show in america it just hasn't found an audience in the uk netflix has renewed dear white people for season three i watched a few episodes the first season of that uh, which is quite good i've just never got around to watching the rest of it um, <laughs> yeah so it was one of those things that fell off my radar and just didn't get back on Ozark. They've uh, speaking of Jason Bateman as we were earlier. Second yes. season, second season of that coming on the thirty first of August to Netflix, which I'm very much looking to forward to because first season of that was absolutely superb. Very kind of Breaking Bad feeling to that show, uh, but very high quality drama, well worth going to watch, and it's got like a hint of humour in it as well. Works very very well. Stanikatix Absentia has been renewed for a second season, which I was quite pleased about because 
that was a very good show that airs on Amazon over here Sky One have renewed Bulletproof the uh, cop drama that's for a second season Did you, have you seen any of those? no no I think I've seen it around I've been enjoying the first season it's a bit silly <laughs> and I said before my biggest problem with it is I some of the writing of the banter between the two league guys uh, Ashley Walters and Noel Clark I think could be written a bit better I there are uh, bits in there that just didn't quite work for me but yeah. it's a good well-written police drama generally even if they are two guys running around with guns and their police <laughs> in the UK it just doesn't necessarily make that much sense but it's fun it's a good fun show so you know worth watching AMC have renewed The Terror for season 2 which is their uh, ship horror drama thing that's coming back uh, it's an anthology series so the second season will be set in World War 2 apparently and um, Sci-Fi have picked up a show called Revere which is coming on the 2nd of August it's from the creator of Extant and it follows Maria Kint who is a former hostage negotiator, an expert on human behaviour who becomes a college professor after facing an unimaginable personal tragedy when her former boss brings her in to save ordinary people who have lost themselves in an immersive highly advanced virtual reality programme which users can live out the wildest dreams she finds that saving others she might actually discover a way to save herself um, wow. Wow, so, eh? so it's basically a VR drama where she goes and rescues people in VR but it's got a good cast to it uh, Maria's played by uh, Sarah Shahi who was in Person of Interest and uh, Dennis Haybert plays the boss or Haysbert who was in 24 in the unit so uh, he'll be a quite a familiar face to people as well that looks like it could be quite an interesting sci-fi show worth going to take a look at moving on to bigger news uh, there could be a bunch of new Star Trek TV series heading to your telly box did you watch any of discovery i can't remember no 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 star trek <sighs> i'm into it i'm into it though i like that i like that these things go away and then come back and then they then they really come back like um have you seen the amount of dc movies they've got slated things like yeah. that where they just oh we'll just do loads we'll do <laughs> loads and loads and then we'll see what happens love it so i mean discovery was great though it's discovery even if you've never watched star trek before Discovery is is a good place to get into in on it. I think it's a really solid series. It basically the guy that is the showrunner now, Alex Kurtzman, he's just signed a new deal with CBS, who are the studio. They've signed a, a five year contract with the studio, which should add some stability to the show because it's been going through showrunners every season, basically. Uh, so Alex is now head in head of everything. Part of that deal, they're talking about four possible new projects that uh, and none of these are confirmed so none of them may happen or all of them may happen we don't know uh, one of them apparently is a Starfleet Academy series which has been kicking around the idea of doing that for years even before Discovery came on air this would come from Stephanie Savage and Josh Schwartz who are the people behind Gossip Girl and the Marvel's Runaways so there's that as a possible series there's possibly a new animated series they're talking about and two limited series so they will basically be one season things, one of which is set around the Wrath of Khan storyline from the movies, which they 
kind of covered a little bit in Star Trek. The second one. The second movie, yeah. Um, I think that was the title, Star Trek, the second movie. Yeah, yeah. in both cases, the second movie. I think it was the second movie the first time round and the second time round with the new cast. So, um, and then it was the second, second movie. <laughs> yes, just to confuse things. So that was the initial report. Then Hollywood Reporter added a bit more fuel to this, saying that one of the new series could see Patrick Stewart himself return as no. Jean-Luc Picard. He apparently has, has been dropping hints that he may be making a return to the Star Trek universe. Somebody questioned him on uh, the red carpet of at a show somewhere and asked him if he'd seen Star Trek Discovery. And he said, I may have good cause to look at it very soon, but I haven't seen it yet. Mm. Um, so that sort of started to feel rumours that maybe he was going to pop up in Discovery, but that doesn't really work because Discovery set way, way before like all the other things. So that doesn't really make any sense for him to, to pop up in that. But if they do have a Starfleet Academy series and that's set in the next generation bit of the timeline, you could have him, say, come back as an instructor maybe. So sure, that would be a possibility. Um, yeah, tutor, mentor sort of situation. Or it could be that the limited seri- one of the limited series is set in the next generation timeline, or it could be the animated series is set in the next generation timeline. It'd be so, easier to get him to do voice stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that w- would make sense. It would, I mean, that I, I also think it would be easier to get him to agree to a limited series run as well. Yeah, you know, if, then if, you've got no, no future commitment then you're yeah because you're yeah one and you're done so you don't need to necessarily be overly concerned so that that would be a possibility as well i, I think the starfleet academy idea is strong because the idea of creating a, a sort of youth orientated team-based they love doing that yeah yeah that that sort of thing i think is a fairly strong idea so it wouldn't surprise me if we get that series appear um in, in what timeline i don't know but that that would make sense to appear possibly in the discovery timeline that would possibly make sense but who knows well we'll see there's there's no solid information on any of this this is all just kind of rumor and conjecture at the moment but this is apparently what they've been working on moving on we've got a bit of uh, a casting roundup because there was a bunch of casting news last week so jason ritter has joined a netflix superhero drama called raising dion i think we've mentioned this on the show before raising dion is I think it's based on a comic book comes from Dennis Liu who is a commercial and music video director um, and he's also directed some short films which became viral hits it's got Michael B. Jordan producing it the series follows the story of a woman named Nicole Reese who raises a son Dion after the death of her husband Mark who will be played by Michael B. Jordan in a sort of guest appearance role the normal dramas of raising a son as a single mum are amp- amplified when Dion starts manifesting several magical superhero-like abilities. Nick Olm must now keep her son's gifts secret with the help of Mark's best friend, Pat, and protect Dion from antagonists out to exploit him while figuring out the origin of his abilities. So uh, Jason Ritter is going to play Pat, that best friend who's described as a geeky comic book reading scientist who works with Mark and his best friend. After Mark dies, he makes every effort to be there for Nicole and Dion, loves them like family. He's uh, smart, cute, successful, and has a special bond with Dion. Jason Ritter, if you're trying to replace where you know the name, he was starring in a show called uh, Kevin Provely Saved the World, but uh, he's probably better known over here for being in The Event, that short-lived series. He was in Parenthood and Joan of Arcadia and Gravity Falls. Also, yeah, definitely recognize him yeah also popped up in the long <laughs> road home uh miniseries and uh 
he's uh, currently starring in a show called Under the Period for Comedy Central in the US. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's a very likeable guy to watch. And the, the description behind it with, you know, sort of saying smart, cute, successful, trying to be a dad, basically, to the to the family. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that sounds like a, you know, and, and being a sort of geeky comic book nerd, I think. I'd take more, I'd take more flaws with my protagonists. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, he might not be the right, the main guy, but. No, no. I mean, it sounds like he's sort of one of the parents. I mean, you know, it's going to be the kid, I guess, who's the, and the mother who are the main characters, I would think. With, uh, with Michael B. Jordan behind it. That's terrific. I mean, he's a big name. Yeah, yeah. So that should be quite interesting. Uh, I think it's 10 episodes coming to Netflix, I think, next year, that, if you want to keep an eye out for that. Over on The Crown, sticking with Netflix, Ben Daniels has been cast as Anthony Armstrong Jones. Anthony Armstrong Jones is the uh, husband to Princess Margaret and uh, First Earl of Snowden. We've seen him already in the previous series. He was played by Matthew Good in season two, but as we've mentioned numerous times before on the show, The Crown is switching the cast every two seasons so he will be the this version of Anthony Armstrong Jones for the next right. two seasons Helen Bonham Carter is taking over the role from Vanessa Kirby of Princess Margaret Toby Mendez from Outlander is replacing Matt Smith as Prince Philip and Olivia Colman takes over as Queen Elizabeth from Claire Foy so um, yeah I mean I, I really like The Crown it's a great series I think this is a really interesting idea of switching the entire cast out every two yeah. seasons so um, we'll see how this plays out. But he's, uh, Ben Daniels is a great actor. It's a good match, I think, for that. And uh, over in DC, there was a whole load of casting. I actually posted a little bit more of this today as well. Jeremy Jordan, who plays Wynne Schlott in, the, uh, in Supergirl, is not going to be a series regular for the next season, although he isn't leaving the series. Um, he's not going to be around full time. To be fair, Wynne was a fairly secondary character anyway. So I don't know how much this is actually going to affect things but uh they apparently it becomes obvious in the finale why he's leaving so oh. we'll we'll see that coming up they aren't losing out on brain power at the deo though because jesse rath who played brainiac 5 in the previous season is going to come in and uh, i think he was a recurring character in the last season so he's going to become a season regular so they're basically switched round for the next season over on the flash hartley sawyer who plays ralph dibney is going to be a season regular for next season so he's up from a recurring character he'll join daniel nicolette who has been promoted to series regular as uh, Cecile Horton and Jessica Parker Kennedy who uh, plays the mystery girl that was running around in uh, the various episodes of The Flash and uh, there was a big reveal at the end of The Flash as to actually who she was but I won't go into that here just in case people don't want the spoilers but uh, yes I, there is an interview with those two as well with uh, Jessica and Danielle there is an interview with Jessica and Danielle up on the website if you want to go watch that from Comic Con over on Legends of Tomorrow as I think we announced last week uh, Keenan Lonsdale is no longer going to be in it he's going to uh, be leaving the Arrowverse entirely although he may still pop back for guest spots Matt Ryan is joining as Constantine Jess McCallan who plays Ava Sharp is also going to be on full time now rather than a recurring character they've also announced that Courtney Ford who plays Nora Dark is going to be a series regular for the next season as well so she will be coming back and they're casting two other characters as well uh, one of them will be Hank Haywood who is father to Nate Haywood 
And the other one is a 20-something Asian woman searching deeply for her mission in life. So I, I think he's probably going to end up becoming a legend because that sounds like something that will give her a mission. She's uh, <laughs> highly intelligent, sharp, a little loose, easily distracted by her own imagination as well as romantic impulses. She's a fan of fantasy novels, YA literature, which drives her hunger for curiosity and adventure and tends to be optimistic despite her disappointment with the state of the world. She also has a deep love of animals and believes that each animal has a purpose to fulfill on the planet um, yeah. I, I mean I'm running through my mental index of DC superheroes and I can't figure out who that is if yeah. they're trying to cast her as a hero so I don't know I was going to say Squirrel Girl but she's Marvel yeah she's Marvel I mean it, yeah I honestly can't think of a I mean there's Animal Man but I don't think there's an Animal Woman so maybe, then, maybe it's, it's a maybe kind of the, twist yeah maybe maybe they've been known to do things like that before so I don't know but yes so there's that's going on over on Legends over on Arrow Willa Holland and Paul Blackthorne who play Thea and Quentin both won't be returning which I think we already knew Katie Cassidy's Black Siren and Colton Hayes' Arsenal are both going to be series regulars next season, so we'll see a lot more of those. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all change on the Arrowverse, as it is every season. But uh, yeah, yes, it's an interesting pretty- format, I suppose, to have people drop in and out so regularly. We've been watching a lot of Gotham, and it seems that certain characters you, you peg as being more important and yeah. less important and it seems that that's an interesting thing to do i guess in legends of tomorrow with the good guys you know what i mean the set yeah. of good guys that you have which i guess is the the benefit of having something like that or like if say the avengers of tv series you could do that and do different ones and sometimes yeah. it's spider-man and sometimes it's not spider-man and you know that sort of thing yeah they they never shy away from sort of switching up the teams and and moving things around which i I think is quite good i mean you know we've had characters like kid flash who have jumped from one show to another in fact quite a lot of the characters started off on one show and have ended up like being series regulars on other shows so and then you've got people like constantine who was on a completely different network and is now on this so (laughs) I'm, i'm very happy to have matt ryan back i think that's going to be awesome having Constantine in it permanently is good and uh, the last bit of news we got is uh, ABC in America have picked up The Connors which is a spin-off from Roseanne as we mentioned I think last week Roseanne got canned after the uh, star's dubious tweeting should we put it that way Um, so uh, which got her show completely cancelled they've now come to an agreement with Roseanne because of course Roseanne was creator of that show and uh, obviously if they're going to do something new they don't want her attached to it in any way shape or form so she's handed over the rights to ABC and will have no financial or creative involvement in the new series. It's it's currently titled The Connors, although that may change. It will focus on the rest of the cast, so Dan, Jackie, Darlene, Becky and DJ. They've not said how they're going to write Roseanne out, although I believe she left the end of last season. She left to get knee, knee surgery, so maybe they'll kill her off off screen. Uh, how does one, I mean, is, can knee surgery be fatal? I suppose, why not? Yeah, well, bad reaction to the uh, to being under anesthetic, maybe I don't sure. know. I, I mean, I think this is this 
is good news. They're only bringing it back for 10 episodes, so they're only testing the water with it to see how it works. But at the very least, it gives all the production staff, because it's the same production staff, same writing team behind it, that were going to do season two, which, because it was, I mean, it's been a runaway hit in the US, it was going to get picked up for a second season, and then this happened, so it got cancelled. It is going to be the same people behind it. It puts them all back in work, at least for 10 episodes. Yeah, that's good. you know, they have a, a future and the rest of the cast. I mean, you know, a lot of them are doing brilliantly on their own. I mean, John Goodman and Laurie Metcalf certainly don't have any problems getting work. So, uh, you know, it, it puts everybody kind of back on the show for at least another 10 episode, which is great. So um, we still no news about whether that's going to get picked up in the UK. Apparently, the international rights are quite complicated. So whether it will ever get picked up over here, I don't know. I think it's very unlikely we'll see the Roseanne series at this point. But the yes. kind of series without Roseanne, maybe we'll see that now now they're free of Roseanne oh, who knows we'll, we'll have to wait and see so that's all the news we have for this week and next up we have the interview it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The interview this week is an interesting one. It's with the sound designers for SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical. Wow. Uh, um, so yes slightly less to feel because it's a stage show and not <laughs> and not a uh, tv show although it's based on a tv show so i think that justifies it being here uh they were fabulous to talk to it's uh walter trabeck and mike dobson are the two guys that we're speaking to they're behind the sounds for spongebob squarepants the broadway musical uh it received 12 tony nominations at the tony awards recently i think it actually only ended up winning one which is a real shame but they they, uh, they received 12 nominations, which for, for, for any debut musical is an amazing achievement. Uh, for a debut musical about a children's cartoon character, I think is absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. The guys were nominated themselves as well for the sound design and the live Foley work, because although the specific sounds were team effort, Walter actually functions as a traditional sound designer uh, dealing with the mixing of the music and the vocals, whereas Mike actually is on stage in the show, plays an intense integral part of shaping the overall sound in the show he's in full view of the audience during the entire uh, event and plays live sound effects during the performance and wow. even interacts with spongebob at various comedic bits of the show so it's it's a really interesting setup they have they started on the show before there was any script or any songs allowing them to organically grow the sound design parallel with the show's development as a whole the sound is very heavily integrated into the show they were great fun to talk to it was a a three-way Skype call so that was kind of interesting to set up they were in two different locations so we had this kind of three-way Skype call but um, here's the interview with Walter and Mike hope you really enjoyed this we'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV Hello. What's happening? How are you? Yeah, good. Good. See, see how stable this is with uh, three videos going at once. <laughs> Mike, I, don't, I didn't think it was possible, but I think you've gotten handsomer since the last time I saw you. <laughs> it's actually not possible. I'm already the peak. <laughs> peak handsome. <laughs> 
<laughs> nice to talk to you both. Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much for this interview. You're very welcome. Let's start off with a little bit of background. How did the two of you get involved with the musical in the first place? Whoever wants to take that first. I'm the Foley artist on the show, and I got involved because the director, Tina Landau, had seen my work somewhere, and she approached me about joining her for this movement lab workshop very early on. This was six years ago this week. And um, it was the first time that she put some actors and designers in a room and started experimenting with these ideas and ingredients that she liked to potentially use for the show. And one of them was live Foley. And so she reached out to me and then I met Walter in the room and he could tell you how he ended up there. And that's how we began our collaboration. And it was a very quick, perfect blind date for us to get together and immediately, you know, really start enjoying working together and working on this thing and seeing the potential of what we could do with this opportunity of a long gestation period of the show. Yeah, so Mike was brought in by the director and I was brought in by Susan Vargo, our producer. I had done a little bit of work with Nickelodeon's uh, live division before with like Dora the Explorer and some of the other stuff. So I had a working relationship with her. So she called me and asked if I wanted to come participate in this workshop process. And like Mike said, we kind of met on a blind date. And I think we discovered when we worked together, our, you know, our, we were exponentially better, I think, than when we were alone. And we could, you know, really, uh, you know, harness, each other's creativity and uh, try and make something special. But it was very early in the process. It was before there was even a script or anything. Right. Yeah. Bringing SpongeBob to a musical is is a genius idea in the first place, I think. <laughs> You're the first person who's ever said that. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> person. I mean, just because the, there are so many fans of it, young and, and old, it was one of those things that, I, I mean, I'm 43. It kind of passed me by on the first sweep and then... And I've just picked it up because it's all over the internet and stuff. It's such a fun show. And then to, to turn it into a musical, I mean, what a process that is. So neither of you were involved on the TV show side of things before ending up on the musical. No, this is a fan. When we first started, we talked to Nickelodeon and they supplied us with some of the classic SpongeBob sound effects, like his walking sound and Squidward's walking sound. And uh, that's pretty much all we use from the show, I think. I think, you know, whenever you, when it was announced they were doing a Spongebob musical. I think there was a lot of skepticism from the theatrical community because I think there's sort of a bias against existing properties and cartoons and everything. But basically, everyone who's come to see the show has really, I think, come to appreciate it on its own terms. Well, um, yeah. And then it picked up 12 Tony nominations. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that helps the rep. <laughs> I mean, that that was, it was one of those things that you saw of like, Spongebob, but 12 Tonys, really? <laughs> but I, I mean, Amazing. Absolutely amazing. According to my notes, Walter, you're you're more of the traditional kind of sound designer. Mike, you're actually on stage or in full view of the audience throughout the performance as well. So how's that as an experience? Because you're interacting with with the characters as well at some point. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, it's great. It's my favorite thing. It's it's mostly what I do, you know, for the past few years is this type of live fully for, you know, live shows, whatever it may be. And this show is just so fun to work on and so fun to perform every night. And it's so not just fun as in the way the audience sees it as fun, where it's a big party and the vibes are good and it's all like a great night. 
It's also fun from a performing point of view. My role is so busy and so dense with sounds and activity and, you know, this really important interaction with all of the actors. And so that's really what, you know, turns me on. And so doing that so much throughout the show, it's not like I have one or two moments where I have to follow SpongeBob. It's really every second of the show, I feel connected to someone on stage. And um, so that's really the best. Like, I, I love performing the show and we've had such incredible houses and, you know, the the actors are just so virtuosic every night. I hear, you know, hearing them all sing and seeing them dance. It's it's um, it's really amazing. I love doing the show every night. And uh, Walter, your your more traditional kind of sound mixing and mixing music and vocals and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's that's right. I'm kind of responsible for the sound system design and just making sure, you know, everything's working together. Uh, I'm not there every night. I have a mixer, Julie Sloan, who uh, actually does it on the night by night basis. So I kind of set it up and she takes it from there. So and it, she's a great mixer. So we're pretty fortunate to have her, yeah. I would say. Yeah, she's amazing. For people that just don't know, do you want to just explain what Foley is? Sure. So Foley is the sounds that you hear that are connected to the action happening on stage or on film in some way. It's most commonly used in film where, you know, when they record a scene, you hear the actors' voices, but they do not record all the little noises around them. Mm. A Foley artist later places it all in. Their footsteps and the sound of their cup when they're drinking, all that stuff comes later so that the audio is super clean in the recording. What I'm doing is a combination of that live fully mixed with this old fashioned kind of show drumming technique that was very common before recorded sound. It was the drummer's responsibility to do all the sound effects in a live show. And that's why drummers trap kits were a couple drums and a ton of sound effect things. And so I got super into that kind of antiquated drumming technique because I was working in a circus and in traditional circus, they still do that. And so the clowns came up to me and they're like, okay, I'm going to slap him and you hit the cowbell. And I was like, well, what beat, what beat are you going to slap him on? And they're like, what do you, what does that mean? And so they just, they just do whatever they want. And the drummer has to play the song and hit the sound effects. And so I got really into that. And so our live Foley idea is a mix of that thing with you know film fully specificity and you know the sound the actual theatrical sound design um you know kind of precision and making it really the scope of a live show instead of uh, or a broadway show i should say instead of a circus show which is a little more wild west and a little more you know a little rougher around the edges than broadway which you have to get so clean and precise yeah in addition to that mike plays the percussion for the show too so he's like playing the glockenspiel and congas and uh, timpani and stuff right. That's crazy. So with something like this, like you say, it needs to be very precise. Uh, and I, I guess, you know, it's a structured show, so you're going to have cues when you know you should have come in. There've got to be occasions where you, you know, your mind wanders and you've just missed something slightly. <laughs> That's Never. Gonna... <laughs> but it must be a great opportunity. I think I, I once, I think. I think you messed up one time, but that's all I can remember. Yeah, it happened. It's going to be a great yeah. opportunity for the cast, though, because you're they know you're there, and it seems like the type of thing that they're going to come after you if you do something like that. Oh, yeah. They love they love when I make a mistake so they can make fun of me uh, backstage. The, um, <laughs> you know, as long as I feel like 
think as long as I keep my reputation that I am incredibly accurate and precise, <laughs> then everybody will let a few go by, you know, here and there. Uh, if I start derailing the show, you know, people will have to, it won't be all fun and games, I think. <laughs> yeah. Last, last performance, last day, last performance. That's when you really go for it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the burn all the bridges and just fire all the sounds at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, you're working on this. You said you previously worked in a circus. Have you, do you have you always just done stage work or have you done uh, work in other mediums as well? Yeah, I come from classical music. I was in um, a classical percussion major in college. And then that circus job was just a random summer job that I took right. before I started grad school. And I expected to just have a fun summer at a circus. You know, I was 21 or something and I was like, this is perfect. And then I really fell in love with this technique and I had just moved to New York. And so I was finding all these circus performers in New York. And there's a very cool, interesting circus scene here as, you know, of course. And so I really fell into doing this more and more. And I would say I was very classical and contemporary classical music. And then over five or six years, it transitioned from that into this more circus sound effects world almost exclusively. And now I mostly do it just this. Sometimes I still do circuses, but it's mostly this type of technique in shows is what I do in my career. Every now and then I find time to do a little Carmina Burana or something, you know, <laughs> on, a, on a day off, which I still love to do, but it's um, it's just harder and harder to balance everything, you know, and stay in, in multiple industries and everything. Yeah. What about you, Walter? What, what's your background? I come, basically, I just came up uh, you know, I grew up working in the theater backstage, you know, when I was in junior high and high school. And uh, I went to, you know, I had another job working in a foundry and that made me realize that I really <laughs> liked working in a theater a lot more. <laughs> so I went to college for it and then I just moved to New York and I started working and I've been, um, you know, working, uh, doing crew for shows and then being an assistant designer, an associate designer and designing my own shows. And um, yeah, that's it. Basically, all I do is sound for plays and musicals. What's been the most challenging thing doing the Spongebob musical for you both working with Mike it's the worst <laughs> <laughs> and you would say working with Walter <laughs> Where, yeah I was, I was giving him an opportunity to say his real answer but I guess that, that is that <laughs> I was just gonna, I was just gonna <laughs> let it ride <laughs> you, you go I think it's something even worse yeah, mine is that Walter's not there every day. I just miss him so much. <laughs> no, I um, I would say that the biggest challenge is, I, I think actually on paper, it's the, you know, just being able to stay focused and stay connected for the whole show and not space out and really go for the thing of it is about the precision and every little step matters. And there's, you know, there's a thousand places to place each step. And so getting it on the one that's most correct for that moment, you know, all of that is very, uh, it occupies a lot of my brain capacity and RAM and everything. And so if I can stay in it, then I'll have a good show. And so I would say that that is the biggest challenge. I, I think that I wrestle with that pretty well, but as far as performing goes, that's the thing. I guess for me, the actual biggest challenge of the show was just the scale of the show. I mean, it's a huge show. We have all different styles of music we have hip-hop and rock and roll and these delicate string pieces and the kind of traditional brassy broadway stuff so we had to be able to facilitate all of that and in addition 
the set design is out in the house, so there's scenery everywhere, kind of in front of the speakers. The actors interact with the audience, and they play musical instruments, so we have to support all of that. There's tap dancing. There's, you know, a bajillion sound effects and Mike Dobson's whole Foley thing, which is, like, the greatest part of the show, but is, you know, it's just a ton of logistical stuff to figure out. So there's no one great challenge, but there are, you know, 5,000 little challenges, and every moment of the show has to be addressed specifically in order to make it all work. This show is starting to sound more and more amazing. I, I really hope it tours at some point once you're you're done on Broadway. We might get it to see it in the UK. We hope so, yeah, too. We, we would love that. I'm pretty sure the fine people of uh, England could support six or seven companies of it. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What would you say has been the most interesting experience you've had while working? Not necessarily, I mean, could be on this job, could be on something else. Well, I'm going to say it's hard to pinpoint one thing. My favorite thing about being in this line of work and doing what we do is the people. Because we meet all these creative people who just want to make you know, crazy things that have crazy ideas and make a performance and show it to people. And uh, it attracts a really interesting uh, panoply of um, personalities. And uh, I find that very gratifying perpetually. On every project, you meet somebody new. And if you don't like them, you just never work with them again. But if you do... (laughs) You know, you could have some laughs. So I don't know if I quite answered the question, but. I would say specifically for me, the thing was there's a big aha moment working on this show and working with our director, Tina Landau, where I sort of felt like before this project, I was thinking of it as it's this circusy kind of drumming mixed with sound effects thing is like the cool thing that I'm doing. And it was this development and and really working a lot with Tina that sort of shifted my head into understanding that the cool thing about the Foley is that it could be any sound for any action. And it's really about the connection and making the kind of magic trick happen that's cool, but the possibilities are endless. And so with SpongeBob, there's a lot of these kind of non-literal connections of something fun and the same way they do in the cartoon where like he squeaks as he moves around and that's sort of a a random thing already and so doing these kind of connections that are non-literal or whatever you want it to be and finding this kind of a whole world of sound as an interactive thing with movement i don't think i really had that kind of approach to it before this project and tina's influence and so that's been a huge development in how i think of all of this you're super conceptual (laughs) (laughs) i know when you're doing with things like percussion and and foley that that's tends to be a collection of strange stuff that you end up using to create sounds somebody might see on a on films and tv certainly somebody might see somebody picking up a cup and the sound they make to pick up the cup ends up being something which isn't a cup on a table it's something entirely different is there anything particularly odd that you use in the foley things that people wouldn't expect maybe there's a lot of we recorded a lot of balloon sounds there's a lot of like rubbing and stretching balloons that end up in it which i don't know if you would know know that's what you were hearing but it's kind of like the perfect sound for the moment and we use a lot of found objects and trash and things for the acoustic instruments and you know that's like like an old normal thing in the contemporary percussion music kind of world where john cage was writing for tin cans and all of that and so I, I was like, oh, yeah, we can use a trash can and a frying pan. And, and you know, these things that fit into the not only the uh, Foley kind of approach, but also in our aesthetic of Bikini Bottom being this place at the bottom of the ocean where trash falls and many of the things from the cartoon 
are like, you know, Plankton's restaurant is a bucket that fell to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. And SpongeBob, and like, so there's a lot of trash and repurposed things. And so we continued that. And, uh, you know, Walter was super excited to put a beautiful microphone on a trash can. <laughs> yeah, I, re I resent that so much. I think I have a $1,500 microphone on a $10 trash can. <laughs> Well, I got it in New York, so it's a thirty dollars trash can. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I, I take it back. <laughs> hey, well, you know, I I talked to a number of composers over the years, and it's the guy that composes for Dino Trucks, a, a Netflix series. And uh, I remember having a conversation with him where he got shouted at by his partner because all the scissors in the house had gone missing <laughs> because he'd been using them. He was like, "Where are all the scissors?" And he got them all in his studio because he was using them for a, a particular character. <laughs> so, you know, sounds pretty similar. In my apartment, we have a set of three bowls because I broke one of them recording some uh, clinking of a bowl and uh, so it's a constant reminder that I, I ruined our beautiful dishware for dinner now exactly it's you it's, it's not you Walt so. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, I'm going to wrap up with my usual final two questions, which are going to be slightly odd for you guys because we cover a lot of TV and film on the site. So the questions are TV related. So we'll see what you come up with. But the first question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Bojack Horseman. I, I'm obsessed with Bojack Horseman. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, I, I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Bojack Horseman. Yeah, that's me. What's well, yours, Walt? You know, I do like the streaming thing so I, well I do it's always sunny in Philadelphia and um, of course I like Stranger Things because I'm like the perfect age and uh, yeah what too. was that German one Darkness or whatever that was pretty pretty weird I don't know <laughs> if I see a Golden Girls rerun I'll never turn it off because they're <laughs> hilarious <laughs> Good call. I know you both mainly work in theatre and stuff, but if you had the opportunity to work on a TV show, past, present or future, what show would it be? I know this is lame, but I mean it 100%. SpongeBob. <laughs> past, present or future? Does anybody ever pick a future TV show? Yeah, sometimes they, they pick something they would like to do, like a genre they'd like to work in. So They like pitch it to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'd like... I'd like Mystery Science Theater 3000 to make the wisecracks, you know. I'd like um, Cheers because you're at a bar, you know. That wouldn't be <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I could be a lifeguard on Baywatch. That wouldn't be the worst. It's <laughs> good. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, if not SpongeBob, I would want to do like SNL or a live, like a live comedy show, and do Foley for that live Foley. Yeah, that'd be a good show. That'd be awesome, actually. That would work really well. I want to change that. I want to be in the A team. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just drive the van or whatever. <laughs> I'll They'll put you in the sleeping pills to Mr. T. I'll be like, hey, Mr. T, have this hamburger. He's like, I'm not getting on no plane. I'll be like, no, I just made you this hamburger. No, no connection. <laughs> I think that's a great choice. <laughs> that, that wins. <laughs> awesome. I think we should leave it there. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, it's been lovely talking to you. I, uh, I'd, uh, I hope to see the show tour at some point because I'd love to see it over here. Thanks so much. We'd love to see you there. Great. All right, nice talking Cheers. to you. Thanks. Thanks so much. Right. Thanks, Bye. That was the interview with Walter and Mike. I think they uh, say at the end of that, at the moment it's it's on Broadway. Hopefully it tours at some point and we'll, we'll get it over here because I'm sure there's a lot of SpongeBob fans that would love to go and see it. But uh, yeah, wonderfully silly, fascinating idea, I think, SpongeBob SquarePants <laughs> musical. So I um, hope you enjoyed that. Here's some highlights for next week on TV. Bow, bow, bow.
highlights for next week on TV. We have The Affair, which comes back for its fourth season on Sky Atlantic on the 26th of June at 9pm. That stars Dominic West and is about an affair, if the title didn't give that <laughs> yeah. away to you. Um, <laughs> I've not seen any of it. I really didn't fancy watching it, but uh, yeah, it's that, that's there if you want to watch it. Uh, Glow Season 2, I, I haven't watched Season 1 of this either, but uh, Glow Season 2, 29th of June, that arrives on Netflix. Uh, season 1 was pretty good. I'm a big Mark Maron fan. He's, he's terrific in that but everything around him is great too yeah it's uh, it, I'm told it's a very good show that well worth watching um, Team Wolf season 6B comes to Netflix Yay. on the 1st of July I mean that is the show finished I think almost 18 months ago if not longer <laughs> uh, and it's taken forever to get over on, on to uh, Netflix over here I don't know what the reason behind that is but yes season 6B 1st of July that lands on Netflix Power season five, that's coming to Netflix on the 2nd of July. I don't know what we do without Netflix this week because yeah. <laughs> most of the shows are Netflix. Uh, so that's 2nd of July that arrives. Um, that's a 50 cents show about uh, a drug lord who runs a nightclub. Good Girls, which is a new show that's coming to Netflix on the 3rd of July. Stars Christina Hendricks and uh, Riata and Mae Whitman star in a comedy about suburban mums who are turning themselves criminals uh i believe they try and rob a bank wow but, um, I'd watch i was reading that thinking i'd watch that is chris i think christina hendrix is from mad men if i'm not wrong and she's great in that yeah um, she's from mad men she was also in firefly as well there you go she um, uh what, played, who was she for? tell me more about played, sorry we played <laughs> uh played mel mal's uh short-lived wife in Firefly yeah do you remember that course. episode yes, yes I do yes so that's where you know her from I don't know that the other two good. but yes it's it's got some fairly decent reviews as good girls so it could be one worth watching but season one of that comes onto Netflix I'm guessing that'll be dropped on as a box set because I think it's finished airing in the US now so I think that's coming on in coming in one big chunk and uh, Shades of Blue season three of that I think that's the final season of that as well it's coming to Sky Living on the third of July at 9pm which is the J-Lo as a cop drama <laughs> J-Lo butchers a policewoman <laughs> yes so uh, yeah that's that's the third and final season of that I believe that's 3rd of July at 9pm on Sky Living and so that's everything for this week unless you've got anything else you want to add in great no, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Netflix watching to do in the next week also uh, yeah uh, birminghampodcastfestival.com find it all there uh, go yes yes we should uh, investigate that further I think Um, so uh, if you want to find out more information throughout the week you can go to geektown.co.uk we're posting all sorts of news and other bits and pieces up on there if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave us a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektownuk that's everything we shall see you next week Bye-bye. Bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. 
one of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 